I'm ready? Yeah. Ooh, okay, wow. All right, kids, and some young folk as well. You're not really kids anymore, but please, and anybody who would like to participate, please come up, because we will need quite a number of you. Yeah? Okay. Now, this young man here already has a beard, so he gets to be Jesus over by the fire. Okay. I need um, th three kind of smallish kids here. Yeah, kind of smallish, yeah. But three of you. Yeah, come on, come on up here. Okay. Okay, anybody else? Okay, Does, do, do we need one more person up here to help them in case they're, yeah? And you're gonna help them to know what to do. And you seven are all gonna get into the boat. Yeah, yeah, okay. So. Do you need a hand getting into the boat? Yeah? Uh -huh. Yeah? Now, some of the kids, when I told them about this beforehand, they said, but I thought somebody was getting baptized. Today, this is a boat. Okay. All right. Now, I'm going to um, put this away because I have something to tell the smaller ones. So you guys just pretend to fish. And, yeah, just pretend to fish. Okay, so we've got Jesus on the beach. He's been tending this fire over here. We've got the disciples who have been fishing all night and not caught anything. We remember Nick reading out that Jesus called to them and said something like, Children, have you not caught any fish? And no, very sad, very sad. And then he says something along the lines, okay, your net's been on the left side of the boat. Put the net to the right side of the boat. So I'm going to help do this. So we're going to lift up the net. And, oh, and Nick's going to help. And we're going to put it on the other side of the boat, which you think so? What's that all about? Just put it on the side of the boat. And then all of a sudden, okay, you guys get to... Jump up and act like floppy fish. Yeah? Yeah? Floppy fish, floppy fish, floppy fish, floppy fish, floppy fish, floppy fish. Floppy fish. Okay. All right. You get the idea. They are floppy fish. And there are a lot of them. There are 153. Now, I picked three children. Okay, we can go on to that slide, the, the fishy reflection slide. Okay. All right. Well, they're being fishy, floppy fish over there. And then, of course, at some point, you all go over to Jesus. You know, you try to get in. Peter jumps out. He goes first because, you know, Peter, he doesn't really think first. But you all take your fish now. Pick up as many fish as you can, and you're going to take them all over to Jesus. And then you can sit over by Jesus. He's tending a fire. He's all ready. Don't worry if there are some left. There are 153 fish there because, you know, I like details. So when I was, while they're working to do this, you guys can come out while I'm talking even and, and come on over, sit with Jesus. That's all good. Yep. <laughs> Herding cats. Anyways, I was looking on the internet to try to find out what kind of fish 
are actually available, oops, <laughs> in Lake Tiberias, which is also known as the Sea of Galilee. I found out that one of them is called Tristamella Simonis. Huh, that's quite a, a mouthful. But we actually know them as tilapia fillets. Yeah? So, the next time you are eating tilapia fillets for supper, however they are seasoned, you can be thinking about the fact that you're eating the exact same kind of fish that Jesus was eating with his disciples on the beach. That's a nice fact. Now, you notice that I picked three smallish children, and that's because I calculated the weight of what 153 fish would be like. And, you know, imagine not just trying to hold three wiggly children, but 153 wiggling fish, and that's about 66 kilos. But finally, there is a, a, an important question. Yeah, you guys can all walk over to Jesus. Yeah? Well done. You're going to come too? Do you need help coming out of there? Yeah. Okay. 153. That is a really specific number, isn't it? 153 fish. Maybe we can just remember that this gospel is actually a record of what somebody remembered and experienced. They must have, it must have been so many fish that came into the net so quickly that they counted them. John, the writer of this gospel, was one of the sons of Zebedee. So I'm just reminded from the ending of last week's gospel, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in the book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So kids, you can stay with Jesus there on the beach for the moment while Nick comes up and brings us the rest of the gospel. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death which Peter would, with which Peter would glorify God. 
Then he said to him, follow me. This is the gospel of the Lord. Kids, you have been absolutely brilliant, and now you can pick up as many fish as you can take with you and go back to your seats. But first, you can stop by Madeleine. She has some, ooh, try not to smush them too much. <laughs> okay. Take them back with you, and maybe some grown-ups might like some too, because they're all jealous that they didn't get to get into the boat. And Madeleine does have some coloring things for you if you would like, uh, like to do some things while I'm talking to the grown-ups. Yeah? Oh. He's just put the fish into the net. Thank you. That represents all of those fish. Okay. So before I begin, um, I ask you to just pray with me. May the words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. So, as I share my own thoughts, as I considered, um, I'm going to share some of my own thoughts as I considered this, these two readings, the Acts reading that Jan brought us, which is a powerful reading in and of itself, and the Gospel reading. So I'm going to Try to hold both of those things in my mind. So two miraculous things are happening. Saul is suddenly struck blind and then is healed of blindness. And there's this miraculous catch of fish after fishing all night and catching nothing. For those of you who were here last week, did you notice that this time around Thomas was one of the gang? He was in the boat. There were also two conversations with Jesus and two conversions of the heart. Paul, well, Saul on the road to Damascus and Simon Peter's talk with Jesus at the breakfast on the beach. Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And Saul, which means ask or question, became Paul, which means humble. Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Then feed my lambs. Do you love me? Tend my sheep. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. Simon, which means has he heard, he has heard, truly is commissioned to become Peter, the rock upon which the church is built. And finally, there are two situations of disciples following the Lord's directions which seem just a bit crazy and having something then really good happen as a result. A brave disciple named Ananias, Ananias, thank you, Jan, responds to the Lord, speaking to him and telling him to do something that seems impossible and scary. And it results in the conversion of Paul, which results in a tireless apostle spreading the word, a huge catch of souls for Jesus. 
And the disciples, well, they put down their nets again, even though all logic said that it was too late, wrong time of day, and there weren't any fish. And yet, a huge catch of fish resulted. I wonder if any of them remembered when Jesus originally called them three years earlier and told them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Now, each one of these things is actually worthwhile looking at it in an in-depth Bible study, but we can't do that here and now. But can we make something of the big picture that these two scriptures today have, um, have shown us? Now, my personal takeaway is there is nothing that we can do or not do that can't be redeemed. In, Paul's, in Saul's case, he went from being the most zealous persecutor of the church to being one of its boldest apostles and certainly one of the most prolific writers of letters to the churches he set up and the churches he wanted to visit. For an, 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 Ananias, his initial reluctance to go to Saul based on common sense was overcome through encouragement of the Lord and Saul became Paul. Ananias was willing to do what God told him to do and it had a massive impact. For all the disciples in the boat, fishing failure was turned around by listening to Jesus and doing what he said. And finally for Peter, the shame of denying his friend and savior three times was redeemed by, re by Jesus reminding Peter of the fact that he does love him by making him say it three times. And Peter is given a new task, that of taking care of the flock of believers that will come, which is the church. But how do we enter into this practically given that none of us have been so anti-Christian that we were likely to be struck blind, given that we're generally not told by, to go to someone who has been breathing murderous threats against us. None of us are fishermen by trade that I know of, and none of us actually stood at Jesus's trial and denied him three times. But maybe we can recognize certain things if we look a little less literally at each situation. Some of us have had the experience of going along, doing our own thing, when suddenly we are completely incapacitated by circumstances around us. Now most of us, when that has happened, haven't actually heard the voice of God, but perhaps we can use the experience of being brought up short to take a break from the direction we're going and spend some time in prayer, as Saul was doing while waiting for Ananias. And perhaps we should be particularly attentive to what new people who come into our lives as a result of the incapacitation might have to teach us. And speaking of Ananias, 
I wonder if some of us here have had the experience of God's gentle nudging to do something that by all rational thoughts seems to be completely contrary to common sense. I haven't quite experienced that, but I can imagine that the best thing to do is go to a prayerful friend or two or three and continue to seek God's voice to have him tell you that yes, this is what to do, and then do it. And then there's our fishing example. Maybe we have been doing the things that we ought to do them, and we still haven't been experiencing the results that we hope for. Maybe then it's good to pray, read scripture, and trust God to lead you in a different direction and prayerfully consider if maybe some out of the box or right side of the boat thinking might help. And finally, and maybe most importantly, we have the story of Peter, his denial of Jesus his, and his reconnection, reconciliation, and recommissioning. Honestly, we all do things that are wrong in one way or another, and it disrupts our relationships with God, and it often disrupts, disrupts our relationship with each other. When we are in this situation, we need to enter into this conversation with Jesus, who is always asking, do you love me? Relationships need to be fed, and particularly relationships that have been damaged need to be tended. Especially during extended times of great stress, like COVID, or when we have serious illness in our family, or maybe even the stress of being a church in a time that we are in between pastors. We all are doing our best to just try to keep things going. But you know, we are human and we are not perfect. And people who are stretched to their limits can sometimes be offensive and or be easily offended, even when offense is not intended. And sometimes our human frailty makes it difficult to love one another as Jesus has told us to do. And out of frustration, we actually choose to offend or be offended because we don't have the time and energy to seek a resolution that preserves the relationship. And yet, we are called to follow Jesus's example as I come to a close, we can all consider what is our own experience of disruption in a relationship? Are we experiencing one now? Maybe it's time to work things out over a meal. It doesn't need to be a barbecue breakfast at the beach, but there is something about breaking bread together and sharing food that opens us to reconciliation. As we continue this service, we will affirm our faith. We will sing about God's amazing grace and his amazing love. And we will reflect upon what it means to believe in Jesus and to be loved by Jesus. As we do these things, prepare for a conversation with Jesus and perhaps a conversion of your heart.
we can each hear Jesus asking us, do you love me? And as we each reply, yes, Lord, you know I do, we can listen to what he tells us to do. But first, let's just take a moment to pray. Could I have the next screen, please? Yeah, in the next screen. Next, yeah, that one. Now, many of these words um, will be of these words will be familiar to you from when Peter Faulkner was uh, helping us out in this time. Now, please read them again carefully so that we can enter into their full meaning. And I ask you to pray with me. Thanks be to you my Lord Jesus Christ, for all the benefits you have given me, for all the pains and insults you have borne for me, a most merciful Redeemer, friend, and brother. May I know you more clearly, love you more dearly, and follow you more nearly, day by day. Amen. And now we will, um, I'd ask you to stand if you can, and we will declare our faith. Let us declare our faith in the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. He was buried and is raised to life on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. Afterwards, he appeared to his followers and to all the apostles. This we have received and this we believe. Amen. Now the music team will uh, lead us in a uh, song of response but also an offering song. So if you've come prepared. 